Welcome to Simply Youth Podcast. New episode every Friday on Spotify and more platforms. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Simply Youth Podcast. The popular idiom says not to reinvent the wheel. That's exactly what I have there did. She revolutionized every young kid's favorite toy, Legos. With her company, Little Bits, I brings out the inner engineer inside every person, young and old, some still in kindergarten and others in the corporate world. She also tries to fight gender equality and STEAM fields head on. Thank you so much, Aya, for joining us today. It's a pleasure having you with us. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about yourself and how Little Bits came to exist? Uh, thank you so much for having me and for doing this very important podcast. Um, I uh, tell you a bit about myself. I am um, my my background is in engineering. Uh, I I studied engineering as an undergrad, and I actually also did engineering uh, as a master's um, um, at, at MIT at the Media Lab. Uh, I was always a, a tinkerer kid that was always breaking things apart, assembling things. I was always curious about math and science. Uh, and my parents and my teachers encouraged me to pursue that as a career, which is why I went into engineering. But um, the reality is when I was studying engineering, I felt like everything that I loved about um, uh, or I thought engineering was about was actually not what I was studying. It was very much... Uh, top down, it was very much about multiple choice, memorization, uh, you know, worksheets. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't at all feel like problem solving. I, I thought it was going to be more like Inspector Gadget kind of thing, MacGyver, where you like are inventing solutions to problems around your life. And I didn't feel like my engineering uh, studies were like that at all. So I actually tried to quit many times and I wanted to go into design. And then I did. Uh, I made a, uh, an agreement with my parents uh, and they said that if I finish my engineering undergrad, I can do whatever I want after. And so that became the agreement and I started doing on the side some extracurricular activities, particularly relating to design and, and creativity. Um, and then when I graduated undergrad at UB, um, I, I found this program that I completely fell in love with at MIT at the Media Lab which really brought together engineering and, uh, and design and art. Uh, it was the first time where I saw the use of technology instead of just applied to functional uh, solutions, uh, the use of technology was really applied to creativity, to design, to art, to social problems. And that became really compelling to me. And that was, I would say, the beginning nuggets of my kind of interest in little bits. Um, I graduated from there, moved to New York, uh, worked for a couple of years and just had this nugget in my mind, uh, always knowing at me, thinking about this idea of how can you make engineering more creative? How can you make engineering more fun? And most of all, how can you make engineering more accessible to non-engineers so that artists, designers, kids, people who don't think of themselves as technological or people who are afraid of technology, how do you make technology inviting to them so that this very important field is not something that is just reserved for experts. And that's really kind of the, the, the fundamental inspiration uh, and beginnings of Little Bits. And why did you think that Little Bits found this much success in the market? Was it a risk given that most usually discourage having a hardware product and prefer a software one? 
I mean, definitely in the investment world, um, you know, I started the company in 2011 and software was really making a very big surge, uh, you know, location-based apps and social software and all of that stuff was really taking up everybody's mind. Uh, but, uh, but I think people always have and will still believe in physical product because it feels uh, personal, it feels valuable, people love buying gifts uh, that are, you know, three-dimensional to each other. Um, I think some of this behavior is, is now changing where people are used to buying gifts for each other that are more virtual, but, but there's something very kind of unique and human about things that are physical. Um, I think Little Bits got a lot of um, momentum and traction because you know, people realize that technology is something that is around us everywhere. It's everything we consume, it's everything, it's how we eat, it's how we communicate, it's, it's how we uh, do our work. And so this idea that, you know, technology or engineering is just for experts or just for engineers just doesn't resonate anymore. People want to understand the world around them. People want to feel empowered. People want to make art with technology. People want to make, uh, come up with new ideas as entrepreneurs, even if they're not engineers. And so I think there's a desire for people to really use technology as a material. Um, and they found little bits to be a really easy to use, uh, really friendly, colorful, fun, uh, way to engage with technology um, without feeling intimidated. Yeah, I want to expand a bit on like the point you raised before about your undergraduate studies. So I'm also studying computer communication engineering at AV, like you did. And yes, while, while things are improving, you still see that the theoretical aspect of engineering is my primary focus right now. I love how we also studied sociology at AV before going off to my key get up. So it seems that you always advocate for this sense of interdisciplinary approach, which made little bits not just an educational tool, like you said before, but also a creative one for designers and businesses. So how did this approach help deliver your success? Or what is next for you? I think, I mean, I, I do know that engineering school is improving um, kind of all around the world, but there is definitely still a preference towards the theoretical, the multiple choice. And I think that has to change. Um, I'm a very strong believer in project-based learning. I'm very strong believer in hands-on learning. And some of my favorite projects that I remember from undergrad one were, um, was when uh, they would give us a real life scenario and a problem to solve, and then we would be creative into how solving it. So, you know, there would be a person that you're trying to solve a problem for. There would be a situation that they're in. Uh, you're trying to invent a product, something that really feels a little more uh, sort of, you know, tailored to a human being um, as opposed to you know a big sheet of paper with multiple choice award uh, multiple choice questions and and formulas and things like that uh, that's how I always you know uh, learn better and it's um, you know it's been proven that uh, there are much more effective ways of learning um, when you go hands-on and project based um, so the sociology was um, because I was you know I, I didn't love what I was doing in undergrad and I, I wanted other mental stimulation. And so I decided to do it through a minor. I actually tried to do a minor in the design department and I spoke 
uh, to the design department in both graphic design and architecture, and they refused to give me a minor. They refused, in fact, to let me take any classes. Uh, and so what I did is I just started spending a lot of time with my sisters who both started design and I started spending time with them in their studios, but I couldn't get, you know, do any classes or take any credit. And so instead I decided to take um, a sociology minor. Uh, I loved it. I loved learning about, you know, different uh, social theories. I learned uh, learning about different communities. I learned, I, I loved learning about, um, uh, you know, movements and revolutions and class systems and and really kind of understand uh, how humans interact with each other. And that allowed me to really understand the role that technology can play in society. So as for the next question, uh, thought that recently Little Bits was acquired by Spiro. Why did you decide to do so? So Little Bits, uh, when it was acquired in 2019, was already almost uh, eight years old. Actually, it was exactly eight years old. Um, you know, my, uh, I started Little Bits actually even a few years before that, before it was a company, I started in 2008. So it was technically close to 11 years old. Um, and, you know, the, the time that I spent there was incredible. I spent time building a brand from scratch, building a category from scratch, building a huge hardware library, the largest hardware library in the world that has billions and billions of combinations. Uh, we entered into schools, we entered into homes, we did partnerships with Disney, with NASA, with MoMA, you know, things that are really, you know, I'm very, very proud of. Uh, but the next, you know, 2019, the next phase of Little Bits was really just going to be about sales, about growing the education business, about getting into every school. So it really requires, you know, a solid sales infrastructure, a solid education, uh, you know, backbone. Uh, and Sphero was a company that we were very friendly with that had uh, been ahead of us a few years and had really built that infrastructure. So it really made sense to kind of shepherd a little bit into the next phase and have them kind of lead this next phase of growth. They're doing great. They're they're focused on schools and high schools, elementary, um, you know, all over the world. Uh, and I'm really proud to to see the work from afar. We've also been like a loud opponent to gender inequality, especially present in the corporate world. That's why your products are all gender neutral and you have appealed to a wide spectrum of people. So what's your position on identity politics? Aside from believing in the importance of diversity and representation, do you think that there should be a certain quota for marginalized communities in corporate boards or even governmental positions? I believe that um, companies, product makers, uh, technologists have a responsibility in the world to put out things that are positive, that are um, sort of showing the world that we want to live in. Um, there, I experienced the majority of my life, the gender disparity in technology. In engineering school, you know, number of girls were a minority, uh, whether in Beirut or in, in, New, in the US. Um, you know, number of women technology leaders is minimal. A uh, number of companies funded uh, Started, started by women is minimal. So um, this is something that I wanted to change. And I really believed in starting early. Uh, before the age of uh, eight, girls and boys are equally interested in science and technology. And really around ages eight to 12 is where the numbers start dropping because girls don't have products made for them or with them in mind. 
uh, girls don't have role models and girls are constantly told by society that this is not important for them. So for me, you know, it was a very important for Little Bits to really tackle this issue. And we made products that are gender neutral. We made sure to always test with kids of various backgrounds, genders, ages, uh, learning levels and learning types. Uh, and we really wanted to be inclusive. Um, as a result, 40% of the user base was girls. We were able to attract kids that have different learning abilities, that were neurodivergent, uh, that really, you know, had confidence issues. Uh, and that was, you know, one of my, you know, most proud uh, things. Um, I think that, I do think that uh, companies have to think about quotas, even though some people think it's a negative word. You cannot improve what you cannot, what you don't measure. If you don't measure how many people of different kind of diverse backgrounds you have, how are you going to improve those numbers? And when you put a quota, it doesn't mean you, you put, you fill seats with people just based on their identity or their gender. Uh, it means that you just work harder to find qualified people that are representative of those backgrounds. Um, and so I think it forces you to do the hard work. It forces you not to be lazy. It forces you to go seek out communities that you maybe are not used to speaking to. Um, and that's, uh, that's extremely important. Lastly, we have to commend Tadid Thaura, which you are the co-founder of, for sharing calls for help and awareness after the blast. Uh, what motivated you to initiate Tadid Thaura and how is it being a Lebanese diaspora while your own country is living its worst year so far? Um, I, you know, the the timing of the little bit sale was lucky because I sold the company in late August. I went to Beirut for a couple of months uh, and I really got to reconnect with Lebanon. Um, and the reality is throughout the, you know, the 10, 11 years that I was running the company, I was going to Beirut, you know, once or twice a year just to visit family or for vacation, but I was completely disengaged with politics, completely disengaged with anything related to, um, you know, uh, government issues. Um, and, uh, and you know, it, it, it became something that I wasn't focused on. But when the revolution started in, I remember very well, October 17, the revolution started, I was sitting, you know, in bed that morning in New York with my husband and I was looking at the pictures, the videos, people on the street. And for the first time, I felt like people on the street do represent me. They do uh, you know, want the things I want. They do sound like me. They are not uh, the population that is sectarian and that is close-minded that I think a lot of political leaders have led us to believe. Uh, and on the contrary, the youth is energizing, uh, is open-minded, is uh, really, uh, focus on human rights for all aspects of society, it was extremely inspiring. So I, within a couple of hours, packed a bag, went to JFK, got on a plane, went to Beirut, and I, you know, was there on the ground and said, okay, how, what can I do to help? Um, I got together with a couple of friends of mine, and we noticed that one of the big needs was, you know, helping people, helping two groups of people. One a group, which are the people that were not usually engaged in politics in Lebanon, people like me, whether they're in Lebanon or abroad, people who have never been engaged or don't even know where to start, we wanted to give them a guide to help them get started. If you want to donate, we'll tell you where to donate. If you want to get involved with a political group that's independent, we're going to give you a list of them. If you want to know where, where protests are going on, we will uh, give you a calendar of protests. So really help people that don't know where to start, that are overwhelmed, uh, get involved in the revolution. 
Uh, and then the second group of people that we wanted to help in the Thawra is uh, the activists themselves, people who are on the ground, they're political activists, uh, human rights activists, environmental activists. We wanted to help them get organized, uh, meet each other, uh, form into groups, start initiatives. And we started doing a lot of the background work behind the Ritura that you don't necessarily see in person about connecting people, introductions, helping somebody who's running a campaign spread the word, helping them find volunteers, and really helping the activists reach more people. I think this sums everything up. Thank you so much, Arya, for all your efforts in both the political and technological arenas. Good luck with all your future work and have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Simply Youth Podcast for more content.